ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so continuing with Sharh al-Sunnah of Al-Imam al-Barbahari, Rahimahullahu Ta'ala, we've now reached the section where he says, وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ أَوَّلَ مَنْ يَنْظُرُ إِلَى اللَّهِ تَعَالَى فِي الْجَنَّةِ الْأَضِرَّاءِ ثُمَّ الرِّجَالِ ثُمَّ النِّسَاءِ بِأَعْيُنِ رُؤُوسِهِمْ كَمَا قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِنَّكُمْ سَتَرَوْنَ رَبَّكُمْ كَمَا تَرَوْنَ الْقَمَرَ لَيْلَةَ الْبَادَرِ لَا تُضَامُّونَ فِي رُؤْيَتِهِ وَالْإِيمَانُ بِهَذَا وَاجِبُ وَإِنْكَارُهُ كُفْرِ In this section of the book now, Al-Imam Al-Barbahari, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, is going to talk about one of the points of Aqeedah, of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah and that is the point regarding seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we've briefly mentioned this before this was mentioned earlier on as well this topic of seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so briefly then who can tell us what is the aqeedah of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah regarding seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who knows the aqeedah of ahlul sunnah related to seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Firstly, you could say to get a general overview of the topic that there are three main points to remember or three uh, opinions of the people. There is one group of people who went to an extremism in regards to the topic of seeing Allah and they said that you cannot see Allah ever. There were some people of deviation. They took the opinion that you can never see Allah in this world or in the hereafter. Whether it is in this world or it is in the hereafter, you can never see Allah. That's what some people of deviation said. Then... There was another group of people who deviated away from the evidences and they went to the other extreme, to the other side, to the other extreme. And they said, you can see Allah in the hereafter and in this world. Now people can see Allah. So they went to an extreme that way. So far then you have two groups. One group saying you can never see Allah, not in this world, not in the hereafter. On the other extreme, another group of people are saying, 
You can see Allah in this world and in the hereafter, both places. They are both wrong. The correct position of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah is what? Excellent. The correct position of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah is that you cannot see Allah in this world, but that we will be able to see Allah in the hereafter. Cannot see Allah in this world, but we will be able to see Allah in the hereafter uh, after the resurrection. We spoke about this topic previously. What about if people mention to you the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam on the night of al-Isra wal Mi'raj, we were talking about that recently, a few lessons ago, about al-Isra wal Mi'raj, the night when the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was taken up to the heavens. On that night, did the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam see Allah or not? He did not. There is a narration of Aisha radiallahu anha that we mentioned. Whoever says that the Prophet sallallahu saw Allah on that night, actual vision, then he's lying. So on that night, the Prophet sallallahu did not see Allah. When he was asked about it afterwards, he said, Nurun, or hijabuhu nur, anna arahu, that the covering was light. The covering was of light. How could I see him? So the Prophet ﷺ also confirmed there that he did not see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in this world, we cannot see Allah. But in the hereafter, we will see Allah. That is the correct belief and the aqeedah of Ahlul Sunnah. The people of misguidance, you can see how they always go to extremes. Some of them said they accepted and they believed half of what Ahlu Sunnah said. So one group of them said that you cannot see Allah in this world, which is also what Ahlu Sunnah say. But they took it a step ahead and said, you can't see Allah in the hereafter either. On the other side, they agreed half as well. They said, you can see Allah in the hereafter. But they took it a step further and said, you can also see Allah in this world as well. So they were both wrong. They both went too far. They went to an extreme and that is the way of the people of innovation. The people who go astray and they become misguided, they always take it to the extreme. Whereas Ahlul Sunnah are upon the balanced path, upon the balanced way. So here we can see that Ahlul Sunnah, they took the evidences of the Quran, the evidences of the Sunnah. And it was clear that we cannot see Allah in this world, but we will see Allah in the hereafter. Shaykh Rabia, he says, إِنَّ الْإِيمَانَ بِرُؤْيَةِ اللَّهِ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى فِي الدَّارِ الْآخِرَةِ مِنْ أُصُولِ أَهْلِ السُنَّةِ Seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the hereafter, this is one of the foundational beliefs of Ahlul Sunnah. فِي الدَّارِ الْآخِرَةِ ثَابِتَ بِالْكِتَابِ وَالسُنَّةِ الْمُتَوَاتِرَةِ Seeing Allah in the hereafter, this is something which is established by the Qur'an and multiple narrations of the ahadith, the ahadith of the mutawatir level of the multiple narrations in the chains. 
وردت أحاديث بلغت حد التواتر وصلت إلى ثلاثين أو ثمانية وعشرين حديثا ذكرها ابن القيم في كتابه حادي الأرواح The number of hadith which talk about seeing Allah in the hereafter there are approximately 30 hadith maybe 28 hadith 28 or 30 hadith Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned them in one of his books Hadi al-Arwah ila bilad al-Afrah in that book he mentioned all of these different hadith more than 20 odd maybe 30 all talking about seeing Allah in the hereafter وَأَنْكَرَهَا أَهْلُ الْبِدَعْ مِنَ الْجَهْمِيَّ وَالْمُعْتَزِلَ وَالْخَوَارِجْ وَغَيْرَهُمْ The people of innovation though, as we said, they rejected this. The Jahmiyyah, the Mu'tazila, the Khawarij. They misinterpreted the hadith upon their own desires and they refused to accept the clear evidences and so they rejected the seeing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How did they misinterpret the ahadith upon their own desires? One of the things that they said was uh, that these narrations are akhbaru ahad. The ahad narrations are the narrations where maybe just one companion or one person in the chain of narration or two people, very few numbers in the chains of narration for the hadith. They said these types of hadith, we can't accept them in aqidah. It was only one person or two people who narrated it. Maybe they made a mistake. They said we need the hadith where there are multiple people narrating it. That way we can be sure it's authentic. So they rejected these narrations saying that they are ahad. They don't have the multiplicity. They don't have the multiplicity within their chains. And this is not correct. This is one of the ways of these individuals to refute or to reject the narrations that are authentic. An example that some of the scholars they give is that when the direction of the Qibla changed, when the direction of the Qibla changed, before where did the Muslims used to face towards? Jerusalem. And then the direction of prayer changed for the Muslims towards Mecca. When that happened, the revelation came, the Prophet ﷺ sent someone, to go and tell some Muslims who were praying in Masjid Quba. And obviously they were praying towards the old direction. They didn't know about the change yet. So when the man who was sent by the Prophet ﷺ to go and tell them got there, they had already started the prayer. And they had started praying in the old direction of course, they didn't know yet. So he made the announcement. During the prayer, in the prayer when they heard this announcement, the revelation has come to the Prophet ﷺ. He said it to them. In the prayer they moved and they started all of them to face towards the Kaaba. So they finished off their prayer facing towards the Kaaba. Who went and told them that time? How many people? How many people did the Prophet ﷺ send to inform them of this revelation? One person. Did they accept the narration of just one person or not? They accepted it even in the middle of their prayer. They changed the direction and started facing towards the Qibla in Mecca. 
They did not say this is only one person, maybe he made a mistake, we'll have to wait until five or six or ten companions come and tell us. They accepted the narration of one. So the people of innovation, they used this excuse and they said no, there isn't multiplicity within the various factors of the narration etc. So they rejected some of these ahadith or they misinterpreted them in other ways just as they misinterpreted and distorted the meanings of the ayat which clearly prove in the Quran that the believers will see Allah on the day of judgment. One of those clear ayat is Surah Al-Qiyamah. In Surah Al-Qiyamah. Who has memorized the Quran? Or who has memorized parts of the Quran? Everybody, all the kids. Who's memorized Surah Al-Qiyamah? Anybody else memorize Surah Al-Qiyamah? So in that case, what's the evidence from Surah Al-Qiyamah that we will see Allah on the Day of Judgment? For all of those who know Surah Al-Qiyamah, what is the evidence that we will see Allah on the Day of Judgment from it? Wujuhun yawma idhin nadira ila rabbiha nadira that on that day the faces will be radiant bright glowing ila rabbiha nadira looking towards their lord so the faces of the people on that day will be bright and glowing and radiant looking towards their lord some of the scholars of tafsir the mufassirun they said that the people, their faces will be prepared. They will be made bright and glowing in advance so that they are in a beautiful appearance when they see Allah. Other scholars of tafsir, they said actually, they will be normal. But when they see Allah as a consequence of that great vision, their faces will become bright and glowing. In any case, we know that this ayah is telling us that their faces will be bright and radiant looking at their Lord. In the Arabic language also, the fact that it says here, إِلَىٰ رَبِّهَا nadira. This verb uh, of another, uh, of looking, if it is made muta'addi with the word إِلَىٰ next to it, then it indicates a physical vision. Basically, when you have this concept or this uh, construct this construction in this way, إِلَىٰ رَبِّهَا nadira In the Arabic language, it can only indicate, it indicates a physical vision. So this ayah is a physical vision. There are other evidences in the Quran and the Sunnah which prove that the believers will see Allah on the Day of Judgment. Another one is in Surah Yunus. Ayah number 26 لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُ الْحُسْنَى وَزِيَادَةِ Those who do goodness, those who do righteousness for them is paradise. Al-Husna wa And they will have an addition. Those who do righteousness will have paradise. And they will have extra on top. What is the extra? What is the addition? The addition and the extra, as the Prophet ﷺ explained 
in the hadith is that the people will be able to see Allah. That is the additional reward that Allah will give to the believers. That they will be able to see Allah in paradise. And that is in the hadith in Sahih Muslim. That the Prophet ﷺ gave the tafsir of this ayah. That the ziyada is seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is another hadith. The hadith, or in fact before we get to the hadith, you could mention an ayah from Surah Al-Mutaffifin. The ayah, and there are other ayat as well. These are just some examples. This is another example, Surah Al-Mutaffifin. That nay, they will be blocked and veiled from seeing their Lord on that day. Who will be blocked and veiled? The mujrimun, the criminals, the wrongdoers, the disbelievers. How is that ayah a proof that the believers will see Allah? Because you can extract the opposite meaning from it. Mafhum al-mukhalafa. If the wrongdoers are going to be veiled from seeing Allah, then that must mean that the rightful people, the righteous people, will also be veiled or will not be veiled? Will not be veiled. Because if the righteous people were going to be veiled as well, then they would be the same as the unrighteous. the unrighteous, the wrongful people, the disobedient people, the disbelievers. And can it be, can it be the case that the righteous people are going to be the same as the disobedient people? Make them all the same, righteous and disobedient, all the same, everybody is veiled. That isn't the case. Allah says the disobedient ones, the criminals, the wrongdoers, they will be veiled. So that means the righteous ones as a blessing upon them will not be veiled. They will be able to see Allah. So you can understand that from this ayah. This ayah tells you the disobedient ones will be veiled. Therefore the obedient ones will not. Because if the obedient ones were going to be veiled as well, then they're the same as the disobedient ones. How can the obedient and the disobedient all be the same and all of them be veiled? Rather, this is a blessing from Allah, uh, a generosity upon the believers that they will not be veiled. They will be able to see Allah. Another evidence is the hadith of Abu Hurairah, radiyallahu anhu. أَنَّ نَاسًا قَالُوا لِرَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ هَلْ نَرَى رَبَّنَا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Some people they said to the Messenger of Allah, O Messenger of Allah, will we see our Lord on the Day of Judgment? فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ هَلْ تُضَارُّونَ فِي رُؤْيَةِ الْقَمَرِ لَيْلَةَ الْبَدْرِ قالوا لا يا رسول الله قال هل تضارون في الشمس ليس دونها سحاب قالوا لا يا رسول الله قال فإنكم ترونه كذلك This hadith which is in Al-Bukhari and in Muslim uh, or rather this hadith نعم this hadith which is in Al-Bukhari and in Muslim 
The people, they said to the Prophet ﷺ, will we see our Lord on the Day of Judgment? The Prophet ﷺ said to them, do you have any difficulty in seeing the moon when it's a full moon night? On a night when the moon is a full moon, is there any difficulty? Is there any problem in being able to see the full moon on that night? Is there any crowding? Is there any pushing? Is there any uh, difficulty? They said, no, it's a full moon out there. You can see that on that night. Then the Prophet ﷺ said to them, Do you have any difficulty or any issue in seeing the sun in the middle of the day when there are no clouds? If there's no clouds, nothing, then obviously you will see the sun. There will be no problem. Even if there's a million people, all of you look up and you will be able to see the sun. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Just like that, you will be able to see Allah on the Day of Judgment too then. You can see the moon, you can see the sun, and there's no uh, cloud or uh, problems or uh, crowding. Then just like that, you will be able to see Allah too on the day of judgment. So this is another hadith affirming that we will be able to see Allah. This is not a comparison of the sun and the moon to Allah. In case anybody thinks that these narrations are comparing the sun and the moon to Allah... This is not a comparison of the sun and the moon to Allah. This is a comparison regarding the vision, the ability to see. Just like you have the ability to see the full moon on a clear night, and you have the ability to see the sun when there are no clouds, then similarly you will have that vision on the day of judgment to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also. Then Sheikh Rabi' Hafizahullah Ta'ala goes on to say, وَهَذَا أَصْلٌ مِنْ أُصُولِ أَهْلِ السُنَّةِ This is one of the foundations from the foundations of Ahl Sunnah. They declared as disbelievers those people who rejected seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. كَمَا كَفَّرُوا مَنْ عَطَّلَ الصِّفَاتِ مِنَ الْجَهْمِيَّةِ وَأَمْثَالِهِمْ Just like they made takfir upon, or they declared to be disbelievers, those jahmiyyah and their likes, who rejected the attributes of Allah. وَكَفَّرُوا مَنْ قَالَ بِخَلْقِ الْقُرْآنِ And similarly, the one who declared the Qur'an to be created. وَإِنْ كَانَ بَعْضُ السَّلَفِ يَشْتَرِطُ قِيَامَ الْحُجَّةِ عَلَيْهِمْ even though some of the Salaf, they used to say, you must establish the proof upon them first. Establish the evidence upon them first. And then after that, if they refuse, then they can be declared as disbelievers. But many of the Salaf, they used to declare them disbelievers anyway. The ones who refuse to accept and reject the vision of Allah on the Day of Judgment, seeing Allah on the Day of Judgment. And... The reason being because somebody who rejects seeing Allah on the Day of Judgment, then in reality you are rejecting the Qur'an. You are rejecting the ayat of the Qur'an where it tells you that you will see Allah on the Day of Judgment. Then, Al-Imam Al-Barbahari had mentioned particularly here, 
He had said, وَعْلَمْ أَنَّ أَوَّلَ مَنْ يَنْظُرُ إِلَى اللَّهِ تَعَالَى فِي الْجَنَّةِ الْأَضِرَّى Meaning that the first of the people who will see Allah on the day of judgment will be the blind ones. People who are blind in this world, they will be the first of those to see Allah on that day. Then he said, ثُمَّ الرِّجَالِ ثُمَّ النِّسَاءِ Then the men and then the women. As Shaykh Rabi'ah says, هذا التفصيل الذي ذكره المؤلف من, أو من أن أول من يرى الله في الآخرة هم الأكفاء يعني فاقد البصر العميان الشيخ ربيع says this detail that الإمام البربهاري رحمه الله has given that on the day of judgment the first people to see Allah will be those who used to be blind in this world then the men and then the women in that order الشيخ ربيع says I've not come across this Evidence for this particular order anywhere. هذا لا أعرفه لا أعرف له دليلا وما أظنه يثبت. Sheikh Rabia says I don't know any evidence for this. Imam Al Barbahari mentioned that, but there is not any evidence that the Sheikh says he is aware of proving that this is the order that the people will see Allah on the day of judgment. And the Sheikh says that he does not consider he does not consider that this is authentic. He does not think that this is authentic. وَإِنَّمَا التَّفَاوُتْ بِالْإِيمَانِ وَالتَّقْوَةِ وَأَتْقَ النَّاسِ وَأَعْلَاهُمْ إِيمَانًا الْأَنْبِيَاءِ ثُمَّ صَحَابَةُ مُحَمَّدٍ صلى الله عليه وسلم وقبلهم الأربعة الخلافاء وعلى رأسهم أبو بكر ثم العشرة المبشرين بالجنة ثم باقي الصحابة وهم مراتب منهم أهل بدر ومنهم أهل الحديبية ومن هو منهم إلى آخر هؤلاء يسبقون الأكفاء وغيرهم. The Sheikh says rather what we know is that the people are of different levels in accordance to their iman and in accordance to their taqwa. The people are different levels in accordance to their iman and in accordance to their taqwa. So for example, the prophets and the messengers, they are the greatest in their iman and their taqwa. Then the companions of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and they are different levels too. Abu Bakr at the head of them, and the Khulafa al-Rashidin, the rest of them, radiallahu anhum. Then the rest of the ten who were given the glad tidings of paradise. There are different levels of the companions, and they are obviously more superior than people who are blind, for example. So the Sheikh says, I do not know of any evidence proving that the blind people will be the first to see Allah on that day or that the men will then be first and then the women. That particular order which is mentioned by Al-Imam Al-Barbahari, Rahimahullah, Sheikh Rabia says he is not aware of any particular detail or proof regarding that. Rather, the differences in the people are based upon their iman and their taqwa. Then he says, وَعَلَمْ رَحِمَكَ اللَّهِ أَنَّهُ مَا كَانَتْ زَنْدَقَ قَطْ وَلَا كُفْرٍ وَلَا شَكٍ وَلَا بِدْعَةٍ وَلَا ضَلَالَةٍ وَلَا حِيرَةٍ فِي الدِّينِ إِلَّا مِنَ الْكَلَامِ وَأَهْلُ الْكَلَامِ وَالْجَدْلِ وَالْمِرَاءِ وَالْخُصُومَةِ وَالْعَجَبِ 
وَكَيْفَ يَجْتَرِئُ الرَّجُلُ عَلَى الْمِرَاءِ وَالْخُصُومَةِ وَالْجِدَالِ وَاللَّهُ يَقُولُ مَا يُجَادِلُ فِي آيَاتِ اللَّهِ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا فَعَلَيْكَ بِالتَّسْلِيمِ وَالرِّضَى بِالْآثَارِ وَالْكَفِّ وَالسُّكُوتِ الامام البربهاري now says that you should know may Allah's mercy be upon you that there was never any zandaqa there was never any kufr there was never any shak doubt there was never any bid'a innovation or misguidance or confusion in the religion except by way of the people or by way of speech illa min al-kalam the philosophers and the people of speech and argumentation and debating through this argumentation and debating and the falsafa of the people through those types of affairs is what caused these innovations and caused these doubts in the people and caused the kufr and the disbelief in the people these types of philosophy and wrongful speech regarding the creator regarding the names and attributes all of this false argumentation and debate in affairs of the religion going outside of the understanding of the salaf of this ummah going into all types of philosophy and intellectualism and academics and making your own false interpretations of the understandings of these ayat and hadith that's what leads people to end up doubting in their religion ending up apostating ending up falling into kufr that wrongful debating and philosophy and those types of affairs that is what leads to these false and incorrect situations and then al-imam al-barbahari says the surprising thing is well ajab how can a person be bold enough how is a person bold enough or courageous enough how does he have this audacity to talk about these argumentations and go into them and debates and these false arguments how can he go into all of that when allah says that ma yujadilu fi ayatillahi illa alladhina kafaru that nobody debates or argues against uh, in terms of their academics and their intellectuals nobody does that affair regarding the ayat of Allah except the disbelievers except those who disbelieved so upon you is not to go into philosophy regarding the names and attributes the ayat of Allah rather upon you is at-taslim to submit to that to accept that and to be content with that with the narrations and to stop at that not to go into any uh, 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 intellectual interpretations or trying to be clever over it or getting involved in any type of philosophy over the ayat and the narrations but to stop at that and to be silent at that to accept the narrations as they are not to fall into the uh, way of the people of speech the people of philosophy as Sheikh Rabia says يُحَذِّرُ الْمُؤَلِّفُ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهُ مِنْ عِلْمِ الْكَلَامِ الْمَذْمُومِ الذي أجمع السلف على تحريمه وضرره على العقول وخطره على العقائد that here الإمام البربهاري is warning us من علم الكلام المذموم 
from getting involved in this type of what you may say philosophy these academics these intellectualisms regarding the religion of Allah the ayat and their interpretations getting involved in those types of affairs we are being warned against that and in fact the salaf they were agreed upon the impermissibility of that because of the harm that it can cause to a person to the minds of people and the danger that it poses the danger that it poses to the aqeedah of a person hatta inna shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala qal la an alqa allah that I should meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with every other sin except shirk. That I should meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with every other sin except shirk is more beloved to me that I should meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kalam with this type of philosophy that the people they engage in, uh, that I should be saved from this philosophical, philosophical type of speech that the people they engage in. Another explanation of that given in English, they may say theological rhetoric. Theological rhetoric, which is like this type of philosophy this type of academical, intellectual uh, way that people get involved in thinking they are too clever, trying to interpret the ayat and the narrations upon that, which they cannot be interpreted upon. So Imam Shafi'i highlights how dangerous that is. He says, I'd rather have committed all of the other sins apart from shirk than to be involved in this type of affair, than to be involved in the affair of this theological rhetoric or this type of philosophy. He also said, Hukmi fi ahlil kalam an yudrabu bil jareed wal na'al wa yutafu bihim fil ashair wal qabail wa yuqalu hadha jaza'u man a'arad an kitabillah wa sunnati rasulih wa aqbala ala ilmi kalam Al-Imam Shafi'i also said that my ruling upon the people of this theological rhetoric is that they should be beaten with the, uh, the, the palms, the palms of the trees and they should be beaten with the shoes and you should parade them in the streets and in the villages, in the tribes, drag them along and parade them uh, and this it can then be said is the reward, this is the recompense rather of the one who shuns away from the book of Allah and the sunnah and instead he falls into this rhetoric, falls into this philosophy of misinterpreting and misunderstanding and uh, using your academics and your intellectual, intellectual ability as you feel to misinterpret the book of Allah and the sunnah. So this type of affair is evil and it is not permissible for a person to engage in that type of affair. And that's because then he says, Al-Imam Al-Barbahari, that all of these things, all of these uh, activities, the shirk, the bid'ah, they all come about due to this type of philosophy, due to this type of uh, theological rhetoric. And then he goes on to say that 
He is amazed. How can the people get involved in this type of debating and argumentation over these issues? How can people get involved in this type of debating or argumentation over the issues? When Allah has said that nobody debates and argues in the ayat of Allah except that they are disbelievers. However, Ashaykh Rabia says, this affair should not be left open like that. يعني هذا الإطلاق فيه نظر لأن الله نص على مشروعية الجدال بالحق because it does not mean you are never allowed to debate anybody. You are allowed to debate the people to give them the proof and to give them the evidence and that is mentioned in the ayah ادعو إلى سبيل ربك بالحكمة والموعظة الحسنة وجادلهم بالتي هي أحسن Call to the way of your Lord with wisdom and good admonition and debate with them in a manner which is better. So you can debate with somebody to give them the proof, to give them the evidence, to give them the explanation so that they can understand why they are wrong and what the truth actually is. Sometimes that may be possible. However, when you fall into the debating and the argumentation with the people who want to fight you, they just want to argue with you, they don't care about the truth, then it is not permissible to engage in debating and argumentation with those types of people. Do not waste your time with that. Learn your religion, study, learn the evidences, worship Allah properly upon the correct aqidah, and do not waste your time debating people who just want to fight you and argue against you. But people who want to listen and they want to learn the truth, then you can debate with them and you can explain to them if you have the ability. Then Al-Imam Al-Barbahari says after that, والإيمان بأن الله تبارك وتعالى يعذب الخلق في النار في الأغلال والأنكال والسلاسل والنار في أجوافهم وفوقهم وتحتهم وذلك أن الجهمية منهم هشام الفوط قال إنما يعذب الله عند النار then Al-Imam Al-Barbahari says that you must have faith you must have belief in the fact that Allah the Blessed the Most High will punish the creation in the fire Allah will punish the creation in the fire in Al-Aghlal, the chains or the shackles, the shackles, Wal-Ankal, the fetters, and As-Salasil, the chains. Wal-Naru fi ajwafihim, the fire will be inside them, and the fire will be above them, and the fire will be below them. Allah will punish the creation in the fire, and it will be inside them, and above them, and below them. Whereas the Jahmiyyah, from amongst them Hisham al-Futi, he said, rather Allah will punish them near the fire. These individual, this individual, this Hisham al-Futi, he rejected the understanding, the correct position, that which Allah and the Messenger informed us of, that Allah will punish the creation in the fire. He said, no, Allah will punish them somewhere near the fire. 
and that is clearly something incorrect, clearly something which is misguidance. As Sheikh Rabia then says, توعد الله الكافرين بالعذاب بالنار والسلاسل والسلاسل والأغلال والزقوم والشراب من الحميم في آيات كثيرة نصوص القرآن كثيرة جدا في التعذيب بالنار Allah has mentioned the punishment has promised that the kuffar will be punished in the fire they'll be punished with chains and they'll be punished with shackles. And they'll be punished with the boiling water that they have to drink. And they'll be punished with the water of pus that they have to drink. All of these various types of punishments, they are mentioned in the Quran for the disbelievers on that day. Allah said in the Quran, that indeed for the disbelievers is the punishment of the fire. Indeed for the disbelievers is the punishment of the fire. In another ayah Allah says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ وَالْمُشْرِكِينَ فِي نَارِ جَهَنَّمْ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أُولَٰئِكَ هُمْ شَرُّ الْبَرِيَّةِ that indeed those who disbelieve from the people of the book and the mushrikeen, where will they be? Fi nari jahannama khalidina fiha. They will be in the fire of the hellfire. They will be in the hellfire forever. They are the worst of the creation. Similarly, Allah said in another ayah, فَاتَّقُوا النَّارَ الَّتِي وَقُودُهَا النَّاسُ وَالْحِجَارَةِ أُعِدَّتْ لِلْكَافِرِينَ Fear the fire, protect yourselves and guard yourselves from the fire. The fuel of which is men and stones prepared for the disbelievers. That fire has been prepared for the disbelievers. So there are many ayat which cannot be enumerated. So many ayat in the Quran that talk about the punishment of the fire and that the disbelievers will be punished in the fire. Uh, and then he goes on to say, as Sheikh Rabia mentions, there are long surahs, there are short surahs. Everywhere it is mentioned in the Quran about the hellfire and the punishment of the people in the hellfire. Fi al-tiwal wal-qisar amrun mujma'un This is something which is agreed upon. bil-kitabi wa sunnati wa ijma'il ummah. This is something which is proven by the Quran and the Sunnah and the consensus of the Ummah. And nobody will reject this. Nobody would reject that the people are going to be punished in the hellfire after seeing all of these narrations of the Quran and the Sunnah except somebody who is severely completely and utterly drowned in his misguidance like this Hisham al-Futi, the Mu'tazili. And from his misguidance he said, لَا يُعَذِّبُ اللَّهُ كَافِرًا بِالنَّارِ وَلَا يُحْيِي أَرْضًا بِمَطْرِ وَلَا يَهْدِي وَلَا يُضِلْ وَيَقُولُ يُعَذَّبُونَ فِي النَّارِ لَا بِهَا وَيُحْيِي الْأَرْضِ عِنْدَ الْمَطَرِ لَا بِهِ so this individual, Hisham al-Futi, from the misguided individuals of the Mu'tazila, he made all types of statements and he said, Allah does not punish the disbeliever with the fire, neither does he bring the earth to life with the rain, 
neither does he guide or misguide. Rather, Allah punish the, punishes them with the fire or in the fire, around the fire, not with it. And that Allah brings the earth to life, not with the rain, uh, but at the time of the rain, meaning all types of, as we said, philosophical statements that make no sense. Allah punishes the people with the fire that is mentioned in all of these narrations. وَتَفَلْسَفَ إِبْنُ عَرَبِي زَعِيمُ أَهْلِ وَحْدَةِ الْوُجُودِ Also, Ibn Arabi. There is one individual known as Ibn Arabi. And this individual, he, many of the scholars have declared that he was a disbeliever for his extreme beliefs that he was upon of deviation and misguidance from the beliefs of Wihdatul Wujud, claiming that Allah is one and the same as all of us in the creation. We are all Allah, all and one, everything is one thing. We are all connected. Making all of these types of uh, statements of misguidance, Ibn Arabi. Do not be confused with another one called Ibn Al-Arabi. Ibn Al-Arabi is someone else. He is legitimate. But Ibn Arabi, Al-Nakira, he is the one who is completely misguided, the disbeliever. He also made these types of philosophical statements. The reality is he was misguided also. The point being that Allah punishes with the fire. So the point is, أَنَّنَا يَجِبُ أَن نُؤْمِنَ بِاللَّهِ وَنَقُومُ بِالشَّرِيعَةِ وَنُؤْمِنُ بِالْجَنَّةِ وَنَسْعَ لَهَا جَادِّينَ وَنَحْذُرُ مِنْ عَذَابِ النَّارِ أَشَدَّ الْحَذَرِ فِي دَقِيقِ الْأُمُورِ وَجَلِيلِهَا وَنُرَاقِبُ اللَّهُ وَنَخَافُ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ خَافَ مِنْهُ الْأَنْبِيَاءُ عَلَيْهِمُ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ وَخَافَ مِنْهُ الصَّحَابَةُ وَكَانَتْ تَرْتَعِدُ فَرَائِسُهُمْ عِنْدَ ذِكْرِ النَّارِ So the Shaykh says that upon us is that we fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that we uphold the sharia of Allah and that we believe in the paradise and we do what we can to achieve that upon earnestness, upon seriousness, and that we are warned, we keep precaution from the fire, the most severe of precaution. You must be careful and cautious and protect yourself from falling into the fire, from falling into sins that could lead to the fire, from the affairs which are very minute and small and precise to the big affairs, whatever it may be, that we must always remember Allah watches us and sees everything we do. And we must fear Allah. Just as the prophets they feared Allah. And the companions they feared Allah. And their muscles they used to shake. When they used to hear about the hellfire. They used to shake, tremble. When they used to hear about the hellfire. Khawfan min Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. Fear. In fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why the Prophet sallallahu said, Wallahi inna la'akhshakum lillah, or inni la'akhshakum lillah wa atqaqum lah. That by Allah, I am the most fearing of Allah from you, and I am the one who is the most of taqwa from you. Similarly, it is mentioned in the Quran in Surah Al-An'am. Allah says, قُلْ إِنِّي أَخَافُ إِنْ عَصَيْتُ رَبِّ عَذَابَ يَوْمٍ عَظِيمٍ Say that I fear if I disobeyed my Lord a severe punishment of that day or the punishment of that great day. So here, there are many ayat talking about the fire 
and how the people will be punished with chains and shackles and the fire will be in them and above them and below them. All of this is mentioned in the uh, narrations in the ayat regarding how they will be punished in the fire and that is from the aqeedah of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah that they will be punished in the fire in this way the disbelievers and the disobedient will also be punished in the fire the Usatul Muwahideen but then they will be removed they were people of Tawheed they will be removed and placed into paradise thereafter but the Mushrikeen those upon Shirk who died upon that will remain in the hellfire forever that is the point that we'll conclude on today and inshallah ta'ala from the next lesson will continue and the next section is talking about the prayer the five prayers of the day so that is a very important lesson that we'll talk about next week so everybody should attend again next week for that very important lesson about the five daily prayers and inshallah we'll discuss that in that session وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين